Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is episode 236 as we continue our series on trust. I am Kurt Mortensen. Good to be here. Glad for your feedback. Thanks for your kind words, your likes, and of course, like us, recommend us. It always helps. Appreciate it. Thank you for doing that. Spent the last week in Boston doing persuasive presentation training because anybody can present but is it persuasive? Anybody can communicate, but is it convincing? Anybody can inform, but is it influential? You see what I'm saying? And spending some time with some CEOs and help them become better presenters, more charismatics, instead of data dumping on people, being truly persuasive. Because after your presentation, if someone says, that was nice, good presentation, you say, are you going to do it? They say, well, no, but that was a great presentation. It wasn't. When the world of public speaking and persuasion comes together, Things change, and you have to be aware of the formula, that perfect persuasive presentation formula, critical to your success. A lot of fun. Did some videotaping. It's painful for people, but that's where the real gains, because I can say all day long, fix this, do that, but when they see it on videotape, it makes a huge difference. And of course, out in Boston, got myself some Boston cream pie. I love that stuff. I don't know why I wait till I go to Boston to eat it. <laughs> That and seafood. Seafood's really good there, or maybe it's just my mind, as we talk about food. So Boston was awesome. Shout out to Boston. As I'm amazed, we're on Podcast 236. It keeps growing, getting bigger, a lot of fun, and always open for suggestions on content, where you want to go, what you want to talk about, and viewer email, of course, at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Product, services, information also available at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Great place to go to find ways to download the podcast, listen to the podcast, and get more information on how to become more influential. There's our plug for the day. Let's start off with the geeky article. So this is a compilation of different stats on trust, since we're talking on trust and influence and marketing. Brian Zercher did this. He's the CEO of Scene, and this is found on Search Engine Watch. And of course, these links will be on MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And he went out to find out different statistics on marketing and trust, how it's changed. And according to Advertising Age magazine, we're bombarded with over 5,000 persuasive messages a day. Think about it. Everywhere you turn on the internet, billboards, buses, everywhere, hats, shirts, it's everywhere. And they wanted to find out what's changing the world of influence. My undergraduate degree was in advertising, and even back then... They said only 50% of all advertising works. We just don't know what 50% it is. <laughs> and that's not how you should do advertising. And now it's even harder because way back then, even before my advertising days, there was four channels on TV, pretty selective to find out how to reach your argument. Now there's over 100. And now there's more time on Internet. Now some people aren't even watching TV. They're streaming all their shows via the Internet. Number one, how do advertisers grab your attention? And number two, how do they build that trust? Because they're all competing. That's why you get the little fancy card at the supermarket that says, it's your super saver friendly, we love you card. Yeah, okay, whatever. 
The real reason is they're tracking your spending so they can customize coupons on the back. And then you'll get a call doing a survey. Yeah, what do you listen to? What do you watch? What are your favorite shows? What are your internet sites? Trying to figure out how to target their market. So here's some interesting numbers. According to Havis Media, only 22% of brands are trusted. Wow, that is low. According to Bloglovin, 61% of women said they won't engage with an influencer-sponsored content if it doesn't feel genuine, like we've been talking about. Almost every podcast, 95% of persuasion involves that subconscious trigger, that feeling that we have. It has to feel right. And this goes to millennials. This is from Forbes magazine. 43% of millennials rank authenticity, close to being genuine, over content when consuming news. So when they're looking for news, looking for information, it has to feel authentic, the feeling. And final one, and we've known this one, I think it's higher than we're used to, this according to Nielsen, that 83% of consumers trust recommendations from their peers over advertising. Well, duh, social validation, recommendation, it's a great shortcut. It is increasing because we don't have time to do the research. And if a friend says the movie, the restaurant, the product, the service, the person is okay, it's usually okay. You've got your foot in the door and it's much easier to persuade. So some interesting stats as we continue on trust and work through that. And then I just want to open your eyes to realize you have to earn trust. You can't assume people trust you. Even though you're a good, trustworthy product, service, company, or person, you have to earn it. You have to feel authentic and genuine in the heart of the consumer. Now it's time for our blunder of the week. Homer, go. Don't, don't, don't. Well, the blunder would be most Americans. Okay, not many insulting. It's just our culture. I was recently in California, and my family loves swap meets or flea markets, whatever you want to call them. They have these nice, fancy ones in Southern California. I mean, top-end, high-end stuff. But there's this one But there's this one that's been called Little Mexico, and you have to kind of know a little Spanish to kind of get by and to negotiate. And they have a lot of great products, a lot of fun, authentic street tacos, good food, just a lot of fun to hang out to see a different culture within California, and I was teaching my daughter to negotiate. She was looking at some soccer cleats. I don't know if they were knockoffs or not, but they said they were real, and they had everything from soccer cleats to clothes for a buck to, well, I think everything, a lot of tools, a lot of different things. It was a lot of fun, right? So I was trying to teach my youngest daughter to negotiate. So she asked how much, and he said $50, and she walked away. She wanted something a little less expensive. I says, no, you have to negotiate. For some reason, Americans look at the price tag or ask you about the price. They say, okay. I would say every other culture in the world, they negotiate. They think we're Americans are dumb. Why aren't you negotiating? Why are you accepting the first price? Come on, this is a game. Let's do it. And some people say, well, I don't want to play the game. Well, if you're not willing to play the game, you're going to lose the game. That's how it is. And so she learned how to, all right, 50 bucks, 30 bucks. You meet somewhere in the middle. That's how it's done. Make it fun. Make it negotiable. Everything's negotiable. You're going to go, Kurt, everything? Sure, even if you buy a suit. Maybe the suit's not negotiable, but maybe they can throw in a free tie or dry cleaning or something. There's always something that you can ask for. But for some reason, a lot of... Americans don't. So that is, we are the blunder. Learn to negotiate, ask for more, 
or even just memorize a simple phrase, is that the best you can do? And watch them squirm and give you a little better deal. So that is our blunder. Just remember, everything is negotiable. Maybe it's not the price, maybe it's the terms, or the percentage rate, or the time frame, or amount of training. Think about it. Things are available to you if you just ask. That's a big thing. Just ask. So let's continue on based on a viewer email on trust. We talked about guarantees a few podcasts ago. And I had mentioned that, yes, usually when there's a guarantee or they want a promise or a warranty, there's some trust issues. And trust is an all-time low. We went over that a couple episodes ago. And trust is based on profession and a few other things. Then last week we talked about character and self-discipline and willpower, integrity and sincerity and that critical piece of trust. Now last week was character. This week we've got to talk about competence. Yes, your competence. You could be the smartest person in the room, but are you the smartest person in the room? I mean, when you're accepted as the expert, there's very little persuasion resistance. Think about it. Doctors, lawyers, dentists, when you accept them as the go-to person, the expert, they tell you to do it and you usually do it. They're the expert. They went to school. You're accepting them as the expert. And that's a key factor here is that when you're competent, when you're the expert, trust becomes easy and persuasion becomes easy. And competence is a function of your knowledge, what you know, maybe your schooling, maybe it's your intelligence level, you have a high IQ, your ability of solving problems or solving somebody else's problems or fixing things or being the go-to person can all be part of your competence. And so there's the real side and there's the perceived side, and you have to take a look at both. Because even a messy office can hurt your perception of competence. Well, Kurt, that's not fair. Well, okay, I agree. But I'm just telling you what the studies show. It is with college professors. Those who went to a messy office rated their professors as less competent than those who went to the same professor's office. Well, same professor, different office. It was clean. They rated them differently. It's just how it is. So if you look at your real competence and things that you can use, things to strengthen your competence, you can look at your degrees. Sometimes it's appropriate, some industry, some places to put your degrees on the wall or maybe professional education on the wall. There's your professional standing. Maybe affiliations with respected organizations can be something to strengthen your competence. Publications, maybe you've written a book, an article, that can help. Your reputation around town and in your industry and in your company. Even your external surroundings. What does it look like when people get into your office? Does it reek? How's that word? Has it reek of competence? Comparing it to a CEO, comparing it to a law office, the dark wood and the books. Do your external surroundings, when people meet you for the first time, does it show competence? Does it feel competent? That is something to think about and take a look at this week. And another thing, too, that's interesting is having definite opinions. Not necessarily fighting about everything and every little opinion, but in your expertise. And I'm not talking about politics and religion. It's good you have your opinion, but when you insert those into the trust world or persuasion world and they're on the other side, that hurts trust and connectivity. But having a definite opinion and being able to back it up with your competence about your area, your expertise, can strengthen your competence. And part of that, too, is being a product of your product, a product of your service. Do you know your product's strengths and weaknesses? Do you know their advantages and disadvantages? Do you know about your company and the percent of the market they have? 
What about your various competitors? Do you know about them and their strengths and weaknesses and their percents of the market? Do you know trends? The key to competence, here's the big key. Remember this one thing. If you could teach somebody in the first couple of minutes of your interaction, whether it be an external prospect or an internal client, doesn't matter. If you can teach them something different, have a new point of view, it makes your competence soar. It has to happen quickly. Or you're just another person vomiting information they already know. So what can you teach? What can you show? What can you reveal? What can you say in those first couple minutes to show your competence to increase your trust? Do you know why consumers are loyal to your product or service? I mean, you have to know everything about your company, your competitors, from pricing structures, delivery options, to warranties, to products lines, to finance terms, to guarantees, to, to marketing and advertising strategies. You need to know. Nothing's worse than talking to a persuader and you know more than they do. We see it all the time at computer stores or even car dealerships sometimes where you know you've done your research, you know about the engine and they don't. You know about the computer internal workings and they don't. They have to look it up. It's competence. I remember one of our blunders early on was a patient saying, oh, I have this, I think I have this disease. And the doctor Googled it right in front of them. Okay, you, yeah, be careful of things like that. That's the perception of competence. And, of course, you can find the archives for free at InfluenceUniversity.com. That's part of our free program. And there's also, if you're really to invest in yourself, the 52-week Ph.D. program available on Influence University. But always be learning. Always be growing. Become competent in what you do. And the key factor here, and I harp on this all the time, especially with my college students, is personal development. That's one of my first questions when I ask somebody, when they're interviewing for a job, what did you listen to on the way in? What is the last book you read? That's all I need to know. Because if someone's not learning and growing every day, what good is that to me? What is that good is that to the company? What good is that to the person? You have to learn and grow every day, whether it be books or audios or whatever it is. That's key factor. A Harvard study shows that those who are learning and growing every day, they're more optimistic about life, they're more enthusiastic about where they're going, what they're going to accomplish. But those who aren't learning and growing every day become very negative, pessimistic, doubtful about themselves and their future. It changes your psyche. You feel more competent, you act more competent, you are more competent. That's the critical factor here. You must, you must have a personal development program. You can't rely on something you've heard a few years ago. Things are changing so fast. In fact, the world knowledge base is doubling every six years. Most homes worth over a million dollars have a library. And contrary to popular belief, what you don't know will hurt you. And what I learned from my early mentor, Jim Rohn, all leaders are readers. In fact, I heard a commercial the other day about books on audio. They said the average CEO reads six books a month. Why do you think they're CEO? Why do you think they're so competent? Why do you think they know so much? This is the key. Now, there's a couple things here that you can do. It depends on your time and resources, obviously, and how fast you want to be successful. You could figure it out on your own. And there's probably a time and place on that just to figure it out on your own. I know I bought a lathe. You know, you spin, you can make bats and bowls and things. He wanted it, and we had fun with it, and we destroyed a lot of tools. Almost died a few times, but we had fun. There was no really long-term consequences as far as if we didn't figure it out very fast. The next is books or audios. Those are available to you. Those are ways to learn and start the process, although you can't learn to play basketball from a book, but it's a good start to learn the rules. You add going to seminars 
And if you've been to seminars, those are gold. Two 3D seminars to learn, to be immersed, to role play, to meet other good people. And just the brainstorming, the mental energy in the room and the solutions to your challenges is incredible. That's why I love seminars. Not only teaching seminars, but going to seminars. And of course, the quickest, fastest way to becoming the expert is having a coach or a mentor. Everyone needs a coach. Now, here's the key. You should have a coach. You find the weakest area of your life, you choose a coach. Every great athlete in the world needed a coach. And you should also be coaching other people in your strengths. So find your weakness and get a coach and look at your strengths and be the coach. That's how it works. That's how success works. Because when you find a great coach, they can increase revenue, productivity, they improve yourself. Even in the workplace, we've found training and coaching salespeople It increases customer retention, employee retention, improves communication, morale, increased confidence. I mean, it's a win-win all the way around. Now, even if your company doesn't pay for it, you need to find someone. If you want upward mobility, if, if you want the trust, if you want to be the expert, you've got to learn from other people. I know you're smart enough to figure it out on your own. I know that. But do you have the time to be able to do that? And I've made that mistake before. I went to the stock training, you know, the free seminars and talked about stock and the way to do it. It was fascinating, but it was a huge price tag. It was like ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, something like that. I'm like, well, I'll just figure it out on my own. I'll get a few books and because I didn't want to take my investing money and give it to these guys. Well, my friend did it. I didn't. I figured it out on my own and I lost everything. <laughs> and he did very well, very successful. That is the key. So you look for those weaknesses and find a coach and you find your strengths and coach other people, that's how success works. You can increase your perception of competence. You can increase your real competence. When you have that personal development program, you feel more competent. You look more competent. You act more competent. There's no downside to this. In fact, Brian Tracy said, if you can get yourself to read 30 minutes in your field every day after five years, you become a national authority in your field. It works. It's invigorating. It's contagious. It's addicting. It's fun to have that personal development program. And it's okay to have one audio set on your phone, an audio set in your car, a book, a video series you're watching at your work computer that's improving. You can divide it up like that. That's okay. Whatever works for you. But that is the key. So that is our second C of trust, competence, your knowledge, your intelligence, your ability, but even that perception of competence, the way you walk into a room, the way you open up your briefcase or satchel, what you're wearing, the words you use. I mean, there's that perception there too. So that combination makes a big difference in your ability to persuade and influence and to get that trust. So that's our podcast for the day. Thanks for listening. Remember at Facebook, we're Maximize Your Influence. Also on YouTube at Maximize Your Influence. And you can find us on Spotify. Make sure you like us and tell your friends, families, and enemies as we approach episode 250. How cool that be? We'll have to do something special on that episode. Do some giveaways or something like that. Remember, the new edition for Maximize Your Influence is available for free at lawsofinfluence.com. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. And just review these skills, master these skills, absorb these skills, and go out and become a power persuader.